Welcome to our backyard. This is the Backyard Philosophy Podcast. We are two friends having a discussion after everyone else has passed out or gone to bed. Grab a drink and listen as we discuss everything from automation, space exploration, and why the meaning of life is 42. From 1831 New York Senator William Marcy. To the victor belong the spoils. And he could not have been more right, especially when that phrase is joined with the action of war. War has the habit to change things, policies, people, and countries. But what happens when fighting is over and the maps need to be redrawn? Well, naturally, you send surveyors to mark the new lines on the map. But what happens when the team of surveyors hate each other and are trying to survive harsh climate and get lost along the way? Why, you get two teams, an American team and a Mexican team, trying to draw the new border and messing it up every chance they can. But before I tell you how the mid-1800s, not how thousands of dollars were spent, but actually millions of dollars were spent to draw new lines on the map, Nick... How are you, and what are you drinking? I'm doing great. Drinking some dead guy ale. What about yourself? I am trying to polish off the last of my old Forester, and uh, I'm being a grade-A champ at it. Well, I, I'm proud of you. Well, that's the first time I've ever heard that sentence. Well, don't get used to it. <laughs> Fair enough. But this story, like many great things, it starts with Texas. This is Texas before it was Texas. Thousands of illegal Americans flooding into the region, which at this time was owned by Mexico. Naturally, Mexico did not like its land being occupied by illegal Americans. So Mexico sent troops to kick out the Americans who were sinking Manifest Destiny. Texas, as Texans do, they armed themselves and began to dispute Mexico's claim to the territory. And the Texas Revolution took place starting in October 1835 to April 1836. It's important to note, fighting had occurred as early as 1926, but the full revolution was until 1835. From this, the glorious Republic of Texas was formed. New borders, new land, new government. The Texas government said its new republic borders will be the Rio Grande. Mexico disagreed and said it will be the Nucas River. The two governments agreed, to disagree. But nothing too severe came from this disagreement. Both countries simply just carried on. But this was short-lived. For America, the United States, had its eye on Texas. They would begin an annex of the Republic and solely engulf it into part of America. Eventually, about a year later from the annex, the United States would take Texas as a state. On December 29th, 1845, Texas would become part of the United States. And Mexico did not like this. One, U.S. military personnel in Texas. Two, the United States simply taking Texas. And thirdly, the borders once again were under dispute. So naturally, as humans do, when one group of people you don't like or or your resources are threatened, you go to war. Mexico and America would go at it, aptly named the Mexican-American War. 
Really great on the originality there, boys. The war. That's the English influence. Yeah, you're you're about right. This war, the Mexican-American War, would last from April 1846 to February 2nd, 1848. The war would end with the Treaty of Guadalupe Hidalgo. And wars end, like William Marcy said, to the victor belong the spoils. America would win, the borders would change, and change in America's favor. In the Treaty of Guadalupe Hidalgo, America would now get Arizona, New Mexico, Utah, Texas, Colorado, Kansas, California, and parts of Mexican-owned Wyoming and Oklahoma. Let's let's, let's revisit this treaty. <laughs> uh, the sad thing is a lot of Americans were upset because we felt like we got the short end of the treaty, which I'll get into in a bit. But with, the, with all these new territories added to the United States and with the Louisiana Purchase just years before, the first time... In her history, the United States stretched from sea to shining sea. But a problem arose when developing the finer details of this treaty. You see, the devil's in the details. So Mexico and America were trying to determine the exact locations of the land they were discussing. And the map, after the war had been fighting and done and over with, they decided to use this map to discuss where the borders are. Well, this map that the that the diplomats use would be the Destella map, a map made by another someone named Destella and Henry Burr. Sucks or doesn't, I'll let you decide that, Burring his name on the map after all. For the Desternel map, the Mexican government and American government decided to use was in fact an absolutely terrible, inaccurate, bad for its time map. So, the Mexican and the American governments agreed that the Rio Grande and the town El Paso would be the southern border point. Only the map I just mentioned both had El Paso and the Rio Grande in the wrong spot. In fact, based off this map, El Paso was 100 miles eastward and 35 more 35 miles more north than its actual location. The town described on this map wasn't El Paso. It was most likely Carlsbad in New Mexico. Just uh, just a little bit off there. I feel like people mix those two up all the time. <laughs> Quickly realizing how shitty this map was, Mexico and America would begin to send surveyors and new maps be made. And in October 1849, the United States would hire a team, Commissioner John B. Weller and surveyor Andrew Gray. These would be the leading members of the American team. It's important to note that there were other American surveyors before this team, way before this team was even operating, one being Charles Tadamaski, a Polish revolutionary exile who came to America, whose task was to survey east to west. But for the story, Welder and Gray, they tend to be the most important of it all. And for Mexico's team... The most quote-unquote notable team members were made up by Jose Salvar and Luis Diaz. And I want to point out there had been multiple teams to do this task. One for the territory we're talking about is huge. And one team would take forever to survey it. Secondly, people kept messing up. And thirdly, this is in the Walking Meadows. Most of this land is harsh and dangerous land. 
So I just mentioned the key figures for this team, but you have to imagine they lose, they broke up this border dispute into multiple territories, uh, three or four, depending on what period it is. So keep that in mind that some of these teams were only doing certain sections in certain areas. But both governments agreed a border needed to be made. And this was heavily on the politicians' minds in Washington, D.C. The president at the time, Milford Fillmore, defined the borders of Texas before the survey was done, saying, and I quote, Thence, on the parallel of the 32 degrees of north latitude to the Rio Bravo del Norte, and thence with a channel of said river to the Gulf of Mexico, end quote. But Nick, as you know, politicians, governments, they tend to make things harder usually than easier. Not really sure what you're talking about, but continue. <laughs> One big problem with politicians, governments, and map makers, and just about every living person at this time, they had no idea where the Rio Grande was. Except for the people living at or near the Rio Grande, no one actually knew where it was or if they came across it that that was the right river. But onward and upward. Weller and Gray would begin their perilous journey. Quickly, all the surveyor teams from both countries realized that the governments, when deciding the borders, used the wrong fucking map. And, being somewhat reasonable, the teams all decided to ignore the politician's map and use the actual Rio Grande River as the borderline it was supposed to be. But this is where things start getting interesting, and the stuff of myth of legend. And I want to set a precedent. The stories are true. But how exaggerated, how exaggerated they are, I have no idea. So back to Weller and Gray, the American team. They had a interesting hiccup in their relationship. The hiccup being, they both fucking hated each other. And I don't mean passive-aggressive at work hate each other. I mean, there's one account saying that Weller hit Gray in the face. Another saying Weller tried to strangle Gray. But one thing we know for certain is Gray definitely shot Weller in the thigh. Talk about hating your coworkers. It's but a flesh wound. <laughs> Weller would go and heal for his gun from his gunshot for a while. The surveyor, the survey would continue, and in fact, Weller would return to the survey. Again, these survey teams were not one-man wrecking crews; they were made up of soldiers, scientists, engineers, etc. But can you imagine seeing your two bosses physically at each other's throats? Not literally, but like one having their hands wrapped around the other boss's throat. That's a that's a sight to see. Months would pass, soon years, every mile getting harder and harder to map, and even harder to survive. Much of this land is arid desert. Little to no food and water, let alone civilization. Both countries... They saw it to be an uphill battle that they were facing. <laughs> See what I did there? Uphill surveying. No, I, I, got, I got it. <laughs> the team's working in cold winters and blistering hot summers. The train itself would be dangerous. Many indigenous tribes, such as the Apache, did not care who owned the land. The threat of raids was ever present. The parties were ill-supplied and struggled so badly finding food and water that the two countries' survey teams temporarily joined forces to survive. In 1851, they sent a joint team to find supplies, food, and water, water being mainly, 
While this joint team went out to resupply their surveyor teams, they got lost. The supply team got lost. Man, talk about you feel the confidence of their work when part of the surveying team gets (laughs) lost. I was, yeah. Just, oh, God. The thing about this time in the United States is that there was a lot of appointments of people who were family. And I feel like this is, we might be seeing some of that right here. Could be. Could be also heat stroke. Again, I can't stress how hard this climate is. You have scorpions, snakes, cactuses, that sun with no shade coming down at you. And it and it's cold in a desert night. And not to mention, because they're lack of food and they have to go hunting for what they can, and the water was probably not the cleanest, multiple members of the teams would become sick and so ill that they had to be transported back to civilization. Needless to say, the odds were stuck against them. But you know what makes everything worse? Worse than hot days, cold nights, dehydration, starving, disease, and threat being raided? That's right. Bureaucracy. I believe it. (laughs) (laughs) The politicians started getting even more involved. It's literally my worst nightmare. It was the worst nightmare for these surveyors as well. Politicians were so confused on why the surveying project was taking so long and costing so much money, though none of the politicians had ever been to the region and had no idea how hard it was to survey. And to add on, congressmen in D.C. were furious the survey team used $50,000 in a matter of a few months, and now we're basically asking for millions of dollars to see the project through. I really enjoyed how historian Carl Wheat put it. He said, and I quote, If ever a mapping enterprise in the american west was cursed by politics interdepartmental rivalries and personal jealousies it was the mexican border survey end quote yeah the politicians didn't understand that you need supply lines to your survey team because they can't live off the land and that costs a lot of money to transport food and water for multiple people thousands of miles each each time adding on more mileage to it Speaking of the curse of politics, remember how I said there was multiple teams to map out this new border? You know, many hands made like work. Well, a team on the West Coast was supposed to start surveying by going to the port of San Diego and going one marine league south to start their surveying. Only one problem. At this time in history, there's no standard marine length. length. Not Not between countries, not even within the same country. So the surveyors, from the best what I could understand said, fuck it, we'll just choose a Marine League, and we'll go from there. Which, I bish, I bet you they wish they waited. For, as they were surveying, Santa Ana would become dictator of Mexico. At the time of the Alamo, Santa Ana was only a general, but now he ruled. And to make things more complicated, Santa Ana and the United States would go to the negotiation table for territory and borders. And Santa Ana needed more funds for his military and send, and selling land to do. And selling land is a great way to do so. So the surveyors would be put on hold until this agreement and treaty was finished. For things might change. And boy, did they. This would be the Gadisden Treaty. Pretty much America got out of all the bad parts in the previous treaty, the Treaty of Guadalupe Hildago, along with buying nearly 30,000 square miles for $10 million from Santana. The land, pretty much, is the New Mexico, Arizona, southern region. 
I think it's safe to say Santa Ana would have sold more land, given the chance, but he never got the chance. The people of Mexico were pissed at Santa Ana for a lot of reasons. One of them would be selling a lot of land to the United States. So much after the Galistan Treaty was signed, Mexican attacks on American civilians both on the border and in Mexico heavily increased. Americans were illegally arrested, goods confiscated. Mexico encouraged Native American raids on Americans. Eventually, the U.S. government found out what was happening to Americans along and near the border. So this time, now new president, President Pierce, and Congress sent troops to settle the aggression. By now, Native tribes were attacking both Americans and Mexicans, which in turn would be the Apache's downfall. For they figured out that American troops would not cross into Mexico, and Mexican troops would not cross into America, but they kept doing this so often that America and Mexico would agree, allowing each other's army to cross each other's borders simply to fight the Apache. (laughs) The enemy of my enemy. But what the hell does that mean for our surveyors? Well, it means not only more land to map, but some of the land they'd already mapped out was pointless and worthless. So those months and years of crossing hard desert was utterly useless. You got a a new treaty, got to relocate. And now surveyors had to travel to even more hospital land with newly acquired territory. The land that Jefferson Davis, yes, that Jefferson Davis, the Confederate Jefferson Davis, thought was so hostile, he, he imported Middle Eastern camels and shipped them to Texas to help the surveyors map out the new territory. Jefferson Davis would start the first Camel Corps in the Americas, in the United States. A weird story in itself, but it didn't do too much to help with the surveyors. If I remember correctly, most of the camels died, Could, but that's a story in itself. More years would pass, both countries erecting stone obelisks to mark the border, literally crawling through the desert to map out the land. A bit to add on, the finish line would once again get moved when New Mexico and Texas would have their own border border dispute. Eventually, after six years, ending in 1855, the survey was complete. The land, broken into different sections, finally all connected to each other. The correct river was used this time, which helps. The right times were the route. The right towns were used, which also helps. And the border, for the most part, was set. But, and I can't make this up. Just about the time when the border was done, and I cannot believe this happened the rio grande river the banks of that river changed due to floods or landslides i do not know so the mapped out river and the land just changed as soon as they were done mapping it i don't know how angry they were but boy i can feel their anger from (laughs) nearly two centuries later naturally all this confusion and border changes made each country question if the border was actually the border And in 1891, they did a survey all over again. But luckily, this one didn't last six years. It only lasted until until 1894. And that kind of concludes our current story for the Rio Brave, the Rio Grande River border dispute. Though, I did not go down the rabbit hole as far as I wanted for this story. There's so much information to cover for just a mini episode. Journals, treaties, congressmen letters... There's just so much information to drive to dive into. I bit off more than I can chew, to be honest with you. 
And I'll be honest, I'm surprised it's not a miniseries or documentary. For apparently, the journal entries of the surveyors are absolutely hysterical of how hard it was of having their bosses try to kill each other, trying to cross land where your next step could be your last. I just wanted to give some cover to it, give a synopsis of this crazy story. I've actually seen documentations of people compare this survey to actually rival Lewis and Clark's survey from all the stories that come from it. I don't know how much of this is true, but this was just the tip of the iceberg. And hopefully one day I'll get to read and research more about the Mexican border dispute. And unlike that border, the finish line won't keep moving. But if you ever get the chance, check out their journals. Check out this story. We tend to romanticize Lewis and Clark's survey, but there's a lot of other surveys out there. And Nick, that's the, I feel so bad for those surveyors. Every time they would keep going, the, the finish line kept changing. And I, that's got to suck on a degree I cannot understand. Well, you know, it helps put things into perspective. I hate, you know, being out, working all day out in the cold and the rain. But it's better than working out all day with no water. I don't know if they kept record of it, but of how many mules, horses, and donkeys died. I mean, I, I imagine a lot of them had to drop dead. If they're barely able to survive with their water, I imagine the the pack mules also are barely able to survive. But just a little American, a uh, little, just a little Mexican American history. I feel like this subject's not talked about as much, but. To me, it's a little bit interesting. I hope you all enjoyed, and thank you all for listening. Thanks for listening to the Backyard Philosophy Podcast. We rarely finish a podcast without missing a point we wanted to bring up, so let us know what we forgot. And if you have a topic you want us to talk about, let us know at Backyard Philosophy on Instagram and Backyard Philosophy Podcast on Facebook.